Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is Tuesday, March 15th. And John, I would like to be the first to wish you a happy March Madness. It's one of the best of the year, obviously, but I have a fun fact for you off the bat. Mm. Did you know that Wednesday leading into uh, March Madness, where the majority of the games are played, uh, is the is the uh, busiest day of the year for for men who get vasectomies? <laughs> Not that wasn't a joke. That is a no. Joke. I I have no trouble believing that. Uh, <laughs> first of all, I think those are Renaissance men. Yeah, um, smart. Second of all. Um, I wonder how many times you can play that card, you know, like, is that a, is that a go back to the well situation? You get to do it at every company you're at post, right. like, right. You know, and, and if you have a kid during that time, you have to resign, right? I think, well, you could just get people. Or do you just back. say I was, it's a blessing. Yeah. Then you'd be like, I got really into church and there we are. This is what the result. You know, I've been praying. I've been praying. Question it. No one's gonna question. <laughs> I hope not. Someone's yeah. like, this guy. This guy. I don't know this guy. This guy can have kids. What's he <laughs> talking about? Um, yeah. Okay. And with that, that begins our March Madness preview. <laughs> uh, but before we talk about the future, let us dwell on the past, as we always do. Um, do a little quick. Uh, end of the Big Ten season slash Big Ten, well, really not end of the Big Ten season, just a Big Ten tournament recap. Michigan State uh, made it to the semifinal, uh, eventually ended up losing to Purdue. Um, I guess we can go game by game if we want. John, would you would you care to start by reliving the yeah. specifically the last two minutes of the Maryland game? I was laughing because they kind of fell forward in the first game is the best. <laughs> I don't think they won. I think they literally fell, and uh, that it's okay if you fall forward, you know. And they won seventy-six to seventy-two, and for thirty-eight minutes and I think thirty-seven seconds, they played a really good basketball game uh, to the point where they were up twenty again on Maryland. Saw a lot of people cheering, and then the timeline, and I was like, "Not so fast, my friends. <laughs> we just did this, remember?" Yeah. Maryland cuts it all the way to three. Um, and as I alluded to, the final minute 27, MSU had, and this was actually, it got, 
I was infuriated, then started laughing, and then got infuriated again with how seven turnovers in the final minute 27, which is funny now, but at the time it was very much not funny. And it was from, I think for me, the worst part is from six different dudes. It's just like I've never, you've seen meltdowns from teams. This was like, I was secondhand embarrassed with this meltdown. I like two. Th- I'm like I'm genuinely impressed. Yeah, like, I, like that is that is impressive. There's no like not for good reasons, not for good reasons. But the fact that they can turn the ball over that many times in such a short span is just like, dude, good for all of you guys. You just dude. decided, you know what? We're flushing this whole thing down the toilet, and no one's getting left out. We're doing the we're doing the whole damn thing. I yeah, I I nearly nearly had a freaking connection during it it was that was incredible i think i don't know if it was you that texted me and was like i've, I've never seen this before and <laughs> and for me my response was i felt like a doctor you know that was consulting with another doctor so it's like i've never yeah. seen this before and i was the doctor was like i have not <laughs> usual case but i watched the detroit lions this <laughs> this is lionsy i know this how this i've never seen basketball but I've seen this before, and yeah. uh, it was a lionsy collapse. And then, you know, they pull it out because the basketball gods aren't that cruel, and uh, we moved forward. Let's not rule that out yet. I'm not. I'm not really ready to give them the the gods that is the benefit of the doubt there. I think the moral of the story here is you just simply can't get up by 20 points on Maryland. Oh. It's the most dangerous. It's like two goal lead in hockey. Most dangerous lead in the most dangerous lead in the game. Might as well not even score the goal. Don't even go. What's the point? You get up seven. You just pound that ball into the floor. 35 (laughs) seconds down. And that's it. Yeah, you disrupt the the Maryland Kraken if you uh, get up to 20 points. (laughs) Danny Manning's eyes light up bright red. (laughs) He's ready to go. Uh, So... This, Anyways. There, there were good things. Um, I want to take two things to take away. One, six players had eight-plus points. You love to uh, see that distribution. And this is a little bit of foreshadowing. But Max Christie rested is quite good, Austin. And that will come up later on this podcast. Yeah, I, I, yeah we'll, we'll talk about that one. Max, this poor guy. No one needs an offseason more than Max Christie. Well, you know what? I was going to wait to keep this one stat for, but now it seems appropriate. You know, going through the Big Ten tournament, he logged the most minutes um, for the team and did so all year. He breaks the freshman minutes record already. Oh, my God. He's he's already broken it 34 games in. Um, uh, I mean, there were a lot of really good freshmen that have come through Michigan State. So... You know, it's a combination of this team not being great, but also Max has one of the longest, you know, strings on him, you know, before he gets yanked, I've noticed. Yeah. Especially versus other freshmen, you know? Um, oh, yeah. Well, I think that's it's two things. First of all, he's been, honestly, for the most part, pretty darn good. Yeah. Uh, he's had his moments where he just looks run down, but, like, a, he deserves it. And B, it's just a function of depth, right? Like, who's, what's the other option? The other option is another freshman. Yeah. Nathan. So there's really not, there's not a lot of places to turn. So I'm hopeful. 
hey, listen, there's a long ways to go here. Well, hopefully at least another weekend or two to go here in this season. Um, but I'm looking forward to sophomore Max Christie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think we're all excited about that. So uh, he had a very bummer of a game the next game against Wisconsin, uh, 69 to 63 uh, win, a surprise win, upset win. Um, but is it? Because yeah, I you you know this is a pretty good rivalry. Um, you'd be surprised how many games MSU has won in this one recently. Kind of broke the Cole curse a little while back, and since then it's just been MSU been enjoying the beneficiary of this one. And um, it was nice to put the clamps on Johnny Davis and Brad Davison's you know Big Ten career. And then I, the last thing I'll note. Um, MSU broke a 19-game streak of double-digit turnovers in this game, which ultimately led to the win. I mean, this was actually one of the better – honestly, it might come in, and I'm sure I'm forgetting some, but it's it's right around that game on the road at Wisconsin uh, mm-hmm. in terms of my – what I think were probably the more two of the more impressive wins of this season. I mean, Wisconsin, not a bad team, by the way. We'll mm-hmm. talk about them in, in the tournament here coming up. Uh, 3C – um, love so much upperclassman talent and uh, a true NBA guy, lottery pick and Johnny Davis. And uh, MSU went out and beat him twice. And and I don't think either time, neither time was like a fluke necessarily. No. You know, I, I think both times they were the better team. The better, yeah. If not the better team, certainly very much on the same page. And I was, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. Johnny Davis, I think he put up big points in the game at Kohl Center, but. Uh, I don't remember him playing very well, and he certainly didn't play all that well in this one. So credit to to Michigan State. Um, really nice win. Probably is what ultimately knocked them up to the seven line uh, and kept them off that eight nine, which is probably the the worst place to be in in the tournament. Exactly. Yeah. You you for obvious reasons. Um, so they followed that that game. Which I want to note one thing. So Brad Davison, you know. There's there was a celebration of that being the end of you know his career. Finishes three and ten against Michigan State. Wow, um, yeah, awesome stat. Mm-hmm. Brad, um, he, I, I don't know if you anyone noticed he he went nuts when he fell out. Oh and yeah, he was yelling in the ear of uh, their assistant coach Krabenhoff, which may be a familiar last name to you for other reasons. Uh, most better known as the guy, and you may have seen him in films such as Struck in the Face by Joan Howard. Uh, but Brad Davison is just screaming in his ear. And to me, he wasn't yelling at the assistant coach. He was yelling about the game in general, not going the way he had envisioned it, obviously. But also, I think he was very disappointed in Wisconsin's, the rest of the team's energy and execution. And um, one, I don't think was Wisconsin's fault, the execution part. I think Michigan State just shut them down. And and Johnny Davis thrives on a mid-range game where he couldn't get that going because of MSU's rangy guards. That's been the problem all three games for them. So it was just MSU shutting him down. Um, I don't think it was a lack of effort, but um, I think – MSU just is the one bad matchup for Wisconsin. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I was I was a little uh, I saw him lose it 
And they didn't say much about it on the broadcast. I think he's like one of those dudes who's just been there for so long that they are just like, oh, he's a fiery competitor. Much the way Izzo, I think, oftentimes gets sort of that benefit of yeah. the doubt. Um, I have to give him a, a little bit of credit. Like, like I have to give uh, Brad Davison some personal credit because he was not much of a offensive player when he showed up at Wisconsin. He really he was not. Like, he was out there. He's always gritty, play hard, super effort guy. But, like, he really turned into – he played three great games against Michigan State this year. But great – like, great in all three of them. Shoot, shot the lights out. Like, I was uh, – I just have to admit that I was I'm impressed that he turned himself into something decent. Um, And that's 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 it. Like this is like my in memoriam of his career. So that's as far as I'll go with the compliments of Brad Davidson. I'm very glad he's gone. Awesome. One other thing, though. You know, you don't usually see that jump from a player like him ever make it because they don't get to play for five years. (laughs) That's also true. So you know, yeah. I think, you know, Matt McQuaid was, was doing the same thing on people, but in any time fitness, you know, not in the big for a fifth year, you know, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, man, the Big Ten tournament was a hell of a tournament for, for 30-year-old guys playing in college between him <laughs> and uh, the shooting guard from Iowa. Uh, his name. Yeah, Bohannon. I can't believe after as many times as I've seen him play college basketball that I just forgot his name. But, um, yeah, it's like as as some people on Twitter that we're friends with say, get a job. <laughs> it's time, guys. It's time to go to the real world. It's time to buck up. You <laughs> are you. Glad you played, but it's time to get a job. So, yeah, and bad news, you're a year behind on the 401k. So, <laughs> bummer for you. Um, anyway, let's jump ahead to the game against Purdue, a game um, that – MSU lost 75 to 70. Uh, we learned a lot about this team. And I think let's just fast forward to uh, a, a struggling offense, um, in part potentially because of uh, three games, three days, in part because their starting point guard went out in the fir- first minute, Roman yeah. Central, um, in which, and the weirdest thing I've ever seen in a game, the backup comes in and immediately does the same thing. I've never seen that. <laughs> was like maybe that was the return basketball gods on the Maryland collapse, like giving it to us, and then it gave us karma. I don't know to to sum it up. This game was yeah. jumbled from the jump because MSU's had to play weird rotations, and we learned a lot because they got down by as much as I believe eleven or thirteen, and client clawed all the way back to down one. Um, against a superior opponent, you know, talent-wise. So that was encouraging, I think, for for everyone. Yeah, I mean, they showed a lot of things here in the last four games that I think all of us wanted to see a lot more throughout the season. And it was kind of funny. You heard Izzo say things like, oh, I think our, you know, Marcus Bingham, by the way, played incredible against Wisconsin. Oh, Got to yep. give him him a shout-out. Was was early season Marcus Bingham in terms of difference making, uh, which was awesome. And like, you just finally saw like a little bit of urgency. I actually thought, uh, you know, Gabe Brown played pretty well, all things considered against Purdue. Like you, you finally saw that urgency that AJ Hogart, I think had kind of did his, his performance was like emblematic of the attitude that he brings to this team that it's needed so badly. And honestly, I think it's a big part of why he'll be, 
I'll put it this way. I will be shocked if he is not one of the representing Spartans at the Big Ten Media Day in the fall. Like, I yep. think he is just kind of that attitude grinder guy. And next year when it's his team, you'll see, uh, so, I would, I would bet a market difference in the, in the attitude, but I was, I was glad to see them kind of like make that shift and listen, uh, it would have been nice to make it earlier in the season so that you could not have to play in the seven ten game, but here we are better late than never. And, uh, yeah, dude, here's, I'm going to preview a little bit, jump into Davison, but not quite yet. You, you said next year would be his team, but Tyson Walker comes back. Mm-hmm. So, so it'd be really interesting that can be. The, I've never also heard of a back, it being the backup point guards team. You know, yeah. Because <laughs> think about that. That's pretty crazy. It doesn't mean that AJ can't start next year, but I, you could make a case. You know, and they do both are just starting to play over 20 minutes a game. And if you look back in stats recently, when both of them play at least 19 minutes over the past uh, five or excuse me, like eight games, they won each of them. So they don't do it often, but I think that's the key. We unlock something here is, and remember um, Tyson did this. Remember he had his beautiful game where he, had, where we lost, I believe, um, uh, was it at Illinois where he had the yeah, at home at home against Illinois, I think. Yeah. Where he was just, yeah, that was it. I think you found it. We don't have to run these long winding sets for our guard or to get long twos. We no. can just play high pick and roll with not one, but either point guard and just say, when you're in, it's your time. Like, and well, I, make the read. I so agree. And I think, and again, we don't need to get too far into next year, but like AJ becoming a capable and sort of willing shooter, I think actually unlocks kind of everything for this team offensively next year, because then you can play them together. We know Tyson can shoot. He's always begging him to be more aggressive. I don't think AJ's problem is being aggressive. His problem is just he's not like a super confident three-point shooter. Although we've seen him be better this year than he's ever been before in his career. I think there's some real opportunities. If you can find, if you have confidence in, say, a Jaden Aikens running the point for stretches, call it. You know what I mean? I think there's a lot of opportunity to play them together. You put their playmaking on the court together, like you said. I think that's that's one of the things about this team that surprised me throughout the years. They didn't do that pick and roll. Despite having an incredible rim runner in Marcus Bingham, one of the best you could possibly ask for, and legitimate shooters. And I mean, that's what Gabe Brown's, all he can do. Uh, Max Christie is great as yeah. well. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm very intrigued to see where things go in the fall, but I mean, we got a ways to go until then, but I think you've got two really good point guards. And I do believe that AJ just from a, just from an identity standpoint is critical to the success of the next two years of this program. Dude, he was seen on the court when he was taking over against Purdue and willing them, you know, in staying in the game he was not only you know getting the buckets but he was letting them know and it wasn't at anyone but he just kept repeating can't nobody blank with me on this court you know yeah and he believes that and like that's the other thing is this kid has that confidence that he should have and i think the other great thing is tyson walker can play the high pick and roll game too he just has a different finishing shot you know it's either a pull-up jumper or, um, you know, to the hoop and you don't have to put it up because he can't finish at the rim. It's like if you but if you start a play with that, you know, right. now you can bring it back out again. You don't have to hoist it up there like he does. So I don't know. You might have found something. And 
you know, Austin, you watch the NBA. If there's a, if you have a thing that's working, they'll do it every time down the court until yeah. it's stopped. It's, it's okay to run the same thing every time. Well, yeah, it's, it's called playing to your strengths. Like that's what you should be doing. If you're great at something, especially I mean, you, the NBA is a great example, but like, especially in college basketball, like yeah. if you have something that you're great at and the other team cannot stop you, there's a good chance that just means they don't have the talent to do it. Yeah. So you should just be the better team and like run the ball. Just, uh, yeah. Run the ball. Exactly. Run the ball. It's the, that's exact comparison. Run the ball. Like it's, I hate to use this example. It's Michigan football. They do the same shit 60 times a game and they won quite a bit. Like it's Wisconsin. It's an identity. So yeah. I, yeah and, and run the pick and roll. That's what Cassius did. I mean, think about <laughs> those catches. That's all they did was him would run the high pick and roll with Xavier Tillman. And they took teams to the final four. It like, was pretty I cool. I liked yeah, it. I, I think we should do it again. <laughs> but that's just my controversial, admittedly controversial opinion. Oh, man. So with that loss, uh, moved us to, as you mentioned, a, a Friday game um, against Davidson. We'll get to that preview after the uh, the commercial here. But quickly, a quick, quick season notes. Um Bingham, despite only playing less than 19 minutes a game, uh, is now tied for the second most blocks in MSU history behind Jaron Jackson's 106 blocks. In a single season, wow. A single season. He has 72 to give you an idea of how many Jaron had. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's ridiculous. But, um, you know, the team is just so much better defensively when he's on the court. And it's just because Marble has limitations. Marcus has God's gift of length and height, you know, and when he's out there, he knows how to use it. And the more he plays, the better MSU gets results. It's, it's not rocket science. So that, yeah. uh, that, that wraps I, the, the Bingham note for me on, on his blocks. That was the, the only record I think I saw that was broken besides Max Christie's uh, freshman minutes. Yeah, I prefer that one to the minutes, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's just me. Uh, any, okay, over, before we jump into the commercial here, thoughts on the Big Ten tournament? Mm-hmm. I, I think from a Michigan State perspective, was was pretty happy with that, to be honest with you. I was uh, – Sure. It made the semifinal, won a game against a good top four seed. Like, again, got off the 8-9 line. I think all in all, you know, you, you probably – not as confident as you were all season as a Michigan State fan, because at the beginning of the season, I think we were all like, whoa, this might be an actual team. Um, <laughs> but certainly the best you've felt in a while. They're playing hard. They're being consistent. Like, I think you're, you're, you're as all things go, you're feeling okay about going into to March here. Um, I will say we, I, I, I was a coward and I backed off of my Iowa take. Oh. I wanted I wanted to say that Iowa I gotta was gonna win. I have to own it. I was uh, I gotta eat some crow on that. But uh, silver lining, I was correct in not riding with Purdue because they oh, would yeah. let me down. And so half got half right there. I thought it was gonna be Illinois that would uh, win this one. But um, congrats to Iowa. biggest win in twelve years for Fran McCaffrey. Yeah, hey. biggest win ever. No. It, definitely. And it was, uh, it took, man, they tried so hard to choke it away, but Indiana decided, no, no, 
we will be the ones to choke this game away, not you. I want you. I want everyone listening to just take a beat and like just appreciate that Iowa's win in the Big Ten championship tournament was their biggest win in the last twelve years, and way before that, before Fran. Yeah. Like, tear. Their head coach was crying. Okay, that's how big of a win it was for them. Like, Tom Izzo. I don't think he's cried since the national championship. <laughs> like, yeah, I think yeah. It, since that, they beat Duke. So since how, the Zion game. Well, that's how good we have it is kind of my point. Yeah. No, it's great perspective. Yeah. So um, Purdue, like you said, let them down. Not shocked. Can't, it's going to happen again in the tournament. Yeah. Oh, inevitably. Tank. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, yeah. All right, cool. Here we go. We're going to take a commercial. Three, two, one. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Then we're back. And John, look who we found here. Oh, boy. Familiar face. Friend of, friend of your program. Maybe not mine, but you're, you're half of this podcast. Uh, oh. foster, foster lawyer. Yep. Had to be you. You know what's funny is, is like... Um, beforehand, if you said like, what would the, it had to be you bracket look like? And you would, every year you would say Duke in the yep. first reasonable game you could play them. And the other one would be a bittersweet transfer, uh, for the fan base. I would say that people liked him. People wanted to like him. Um, he tried his hardest foster lawyer, uh, is, is the starting point guard and leading scorer. The, the Davidson Wildcats, um, the Atlantic 10 regular season champions, which is like the 10th best conference in basketball. It's not no slouch. So yeah, had to be Davidson. Austin, I got to ask, what was your reaction? I just laughed. Like there, it was, it, as soon as I saw all these other teams coming out in this bracket, I'm like, this is the MSU. It's like, of course, they're with the number one overall seed. Of course, Memphis is in there. Of course, <laughs> UConn's in there. Of course, Texas Tech is in there. And of course, there's Davidson. Like, it's like, I, I also have some serious beef with this selection committee. I just <laughs> want them to be honest. Yeah. Stop lying Hi. to us. Stop lying to us and telling us that you don't care about storylines and this, that, and the other thing. You're liars. Hey. And, you're ba- and you're bad at lying. And nobody wants you to lie. Just, just own it. it. Yeah, it's fine. Just own it. Just tell me to my face, like, we put you against Davidson and Duke because the ratings for that will be bananas. And what we can sell from an Izzo Coach K perspective is awesome. Like, okay, cool. I can respect you not lying to my face. They're like, we gave Michigan an easy draw as an 11 seed, and we let them into the tournament because it's Michigan, because we want the brand and we want the storyline. I would hate you for it, but it's better than just being like, nope, Colorado State is for sure the hardest six seed, and we're going to put them against it. Like, just don't. Just don't. And guess what? Michigan has to travel all the way to Indianapolis. Wow, God. Uh, what a what a journey. 
Um, you, you just want to be treated like adults. Yeah, just I don't want I'm not a kid anymore. I'm all grown up. I just want you to treat me that way. So, uh, yeah, but I mean, as to, to get into the matchup a little bit more, I mean, I think it's I don't know. Nothing's a good matchup for Michigan State this year. It feels like every time I think it's good, it's bad. It's but awesome. like just in looking at the numbers, it's with it's exactly right. It's Wisconsin and it's with a point card. You couldn't possibly know better than the one that's lining up. Actually, you know, the better um, comp statistically is Ohio State. They are a diet Ohio State. They're not quite as good offensively or defensively. And they, like Ohio State, rely on the three-pointer. So, um, and, and, and Ohio State is a touch more athletic um, on the perimeter, a lot more athletic, actually. So I think if you're trying to remember how that game went, that was nip and tuck except with the exception of, you know, Ohio State jumped out to a 13-0 lead, but ever, you know, throughout the rest of the game, uh, MSU hung with them. You can expect a similar type of pace um, with from Davidson, and you're not going to get jumped. or you, There's no reason to be taken by surprise, you know, in a energy situation. So if Marcus Bingham shows up, you should be in good shape because they have one post player, uh, that plays significant minutes in Luka Bradjkovic, I believe. Uh, 6'10", yeah. 14 points, seven boards, one block. He can sh- uh, shoot 40% from three, so like Marcus, can stretch the floor a little bit. Um, behind him, they got nothing. So you got to take advantage of um, if they do go to their backup centers who are quite bad. And then the last guy uh, to keep an eye on, obviously, beyond Foster, is um, Hyun Jung Lee. It's a 6'6 wing, uh, averages 16 points a game, six rebounds, and 38% from three. He's very, very versatile um, and kind of has a, a, a Max Christie-like game. Um, is, is, it's not an incredible finisher, doesn't even look, and, uh, but can get a shot off if he needs to. So those are the, uh, the big players. Um, any thoughts initially on those guys or the rest of the roster? Yeah, I mean, just from what I've... Well, first thing I thought was really funny is that Izzo was watching Davidson's uh, in, in the in their conference championship game, I believe it was, just to support Foster, yeah. and instead ended up scouting the team he's playing against. Can't imagine that would hurt. Um, one thing from the Michigan State side is that we don't know, and will not probably know until tip, the status of Tyson Walker. Um, I, it's not good. It's not it's not decoy here. It's not good that he's definitely not going to be 100% going into this game. However, like we talked about, I, I'm okay with A.J. Hogard playing 36 minutes in a game in March, to be quite honest with you. Like, and, and one of the main reasons for that is because this Davidson team does not force turnovers, like at all. They, they, they don't. They play real slow. They're very deliberate, which is hence the kind of Wisconsin and, and Ohio State comps. But, um, you know, because of that playing style, I think AJ's major deficits, if you will, could be masked a little bit. He just needs to eliminate, really, in this game more than anything, he can't do the little stupid rolling the ball into the post turnovers that he does like twice a game where he's just giving it to the other team because he doesn't pass it hard enough or just rolls it directly to one of their players. So as long as he doesn't do that, uh, <laughs> I, I think this, I think we can, we being Michigan state can, can win this game uh, without 
Tyson. Now, you'd rather have him. I hope he's healthy. I hope he plays. But I think this is a game that um, that MSU's got a got a good shot at. I mean, again, if this is a regular season game, you'd be looking at it and thinking this is a this is a game you should win, right? Like, if this is a non-con early season game, it's a game you should win. I hope that when I hear Gabe Brown say things like, I don't want to go home early. I'm here to, you know, play and all this stuff. I hope that's true. I hope they, they play like that. Cause if they play like that, this is a game that, you know, you should advance to the, to the next round, but it's March, man. Any, anything can happen. Yeah. MSU is a one point favorite um, <clears throat> going against a, a team. As you mentioned, is very deliberate. They do not turn the ball over. Um, and they, they have an eight man rotation. They have five very, very capable players and three rotational players who are not capable. So if you remember against the Purdue game when Colin first came in the game and dumped his pants, that I don't know if it's going to be that bad, but like you have a drop off. And um, so you have to take advantage of that. You know, as I mentioned, they have a couple guys who play spot minutes in the post to spell this big guy. Um, and then they go small ball. Um you got to take advantage of when their backup centers are in because you like you need to go at them and get the points then. And then they will go small ball. Um, so I'll be interested to see, Austin, if MSU matches it or, you know, learns from maybe the Maryland game where Maryland came back. And, you know, you don't have to match it. You can make them defend you, and, uh, you know, with Marcus Bingham in the game. So curious, what do you think will happen if they go when they go small ball? How will handle it? I yeah I know how I think they should handle it, but um, I have a feeling they'll default to playing marble uh, more probably more than Bingham. Um, just because I feel like that's what's happened in every really? game thus far. Yeah, I, I mean I don't think they should. Don't get me wrong. I think you I, have an X factor in Marcus Bingham and you should take advantage of it. But so, uh, I, I feel like they default to marble a lot in those situations. Well, I think they. So I think they actually go to Hauser and, and Hall, you know, and they, mm, yeah. Remember they oh. matched Donta Scott, you know, they were like, we don't have Maryland played without a center. And we just decided to play with those guys um, and do that often when, when teams, I think UConn did it um, to try and to try and like match the pace. I, I just think Marcus. I'm not interested. Yeah. It's just, it's unnecessary. You have Marcus Bingham. And you, you don't ha- and you know or marble and you say no long twos Mark Julius if you're in you're getting a bucket on the block like yeah t- take advantage of it so I hope I hope Marcus and Julius don't get the auto bench um, but you know if not Malik and Ju- um, Joey Hauser need to not be afraid to shoot you know if they're that's why they're out there stretch the floor and you yeah know, put it up so. We we saw some confident stretches from Joey Hauser recently too, man. He made a couple of big shots against Wisconsin. He feels like yeah. maybe there's that little bit of senior urgency coming. But yeah, I don't. I'm always against the Hauser at the five scenario. It's never worked, uh, and so I hope that doesn't happen. But I, I won't be surprised at all if if we see some of it. So, I, this is a game that I, even without Tyson Walker, I think Michigan State should should have a pretty good chance in. But yeah, it'll be it'll be tight. It'll go down to the end. Um, I, I honest guys, like they're they're gonna be at the under four, I would imagine, still be a tight game and like Foster Lawyer is gonna have a shot or the, the ball 
and it's going to matter at a certain point, I would guess. Yep. So I strap. So, so prepare yourself mentally. Yeah, I just want to get that on the board. Um, last thing, um, they've played four Q1 games. Um, they, they're two and two in them. Just to give you an idea of when they do play teams of our MSU's caliber. Uh, this will be Michigan State's 25th opponent. Uh, you should just note that they are would be finished 21st in def- defensive efficiency of the 25. Uh, ahead of Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan, Oakland, and High Point. So defensively, you would hope MSU is taking advantage of the athleticism, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. I think I think it's an, it's a it's you made the point about them being small too. It's a rebounding situation. Like you have to come in and like if I'm Izzo, I, well, I'm sure he's doing this just like hammering. We will not lose the rebounding battle in this game. And if they play super deliberate when they miss shots, you got to get that rebound. You got to make them one and done, and then you got to go score on the other end. I mean, that's just you know that's the recipe to beating uh, a team like that. Here's here's the last thing to watch for. Um, they. MSU is going to have very few, if none, uh, fast break opportunities. Davidson mm-hmm. sends everyone back um, after a shot. <clears throat> they are, um, but they are eighth in the nation in defensive rebounding. So they send everyone to the basket. So they're not looking to get runouts, and they're also not going to try and let you beat you beat them with your athleticism. So they're going to get back. So um, it'll be a great game. Like you said, um, if Walker can't play, then Hogard knows right away that it's his game. And we got to just start. We don't need to wait and see if anyone's going to heat up. No, it's AJ. It's your game. Like, yep. take advantage of it. Go. And same thing with Walker if he does play. Like, we don't need to mess around and say, oh, is, you know, is Gabe feeling it today? Is Marcus have energy? Like, just, just the point you're in charge. Like, guards win in March. Go. Pick and yep. roll. Okay. Yeah, I mean that is that is one thing that MSU does have going for it. If you can just get consistent play out of those guards, like you said, we say it all the time. That's that's how you win games this time of year. So if they win, Austin, more than likely they're going to play Duke, which of course had to be Duke. Um, Austin, take us through this team, a team that has been stumbling down the stretch when all eyes turn to uh, Durham, played in a down ACC, but uh, despite winning the regular uh, season title collapsed in coach k's final home game and then against north carolina and then um shortly thereafter in the acc championship game to a very mid virginia tech team losing by near 20 points you have to ask yourself is the pressure getting to these guys i mean i actually think it's a really fair question like so the first thing about this duke team is they are super duper talented like yeah at least one surefire top i'm gonna say five at the lowest, I'm only saying that because everyone would have said Kayvon Thibodeau would be a top two pick and he might go down in the top 10. So bottom line is you never know in the draft, but Paolo Bancaro, their power forward, is extremely good, especially offensively. Kid uh, led them in scoring at a little over seven, well, almost, no, almost exactly 17 points a game. Averaged almost eight rebounds a game. Uh, averaged a steal and a block, three assists. I mean, he kind of he kind of does it all. He's the kind of the hub of their offense they also have four more players that score in double digits uh wendell moore jr trevor keels mark williams and aj griffin griffin is really the one out of that bunch that um is probably played himself 
into draft high draft consideration. He shot 46% from three this year, over 50% from the field, averaged just north of 10 points a game. Um, I, I they actually have a couple of really good bench players as well. And Theo John, super uh, experienced transfer from Marquette, Jeremy Roach, Joey Baker. I mean, they, they're they're a pretty deep team. Uh, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys that are in double digit minutes a game. So that should give you an idea of how deep they are. Um, I really think the only thing keeping them from from being a one seed or running through the NCAA tournament is just this this pressure on them is enormous. Yeah. I mean, it's it's enormous. It's Coach K. A lot of people would say the best college basketball, one of the best basketball coaches of all times final year and it's I, I can't even imagine what it's like playing for him this year especially for a guy like Bancaro who is you know all eyes on him to be a top five pick all the pressure on him to be the next great one and done there and you know you, you got to go out and perform in these big minutes and like you said they, they lost some not great games down the stretch not that it's really Bancaro's fault I mean he shot 72 percent from the field against Virginia Tech scored 23 against UNC in that loss at home but uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he brings legit size. They also have another, uh, center in Mark Williams. Like I mentioned him a couple minutes ago, he's fantastic on the inside shoots over 70% from the field. So yeah. this is, this would be for Michigan state. You would need a couple of things in this game. You would need the best game of Marcus Bingham's life because he is going to go up against size. You need him to stay in the game. You would need, uh, I, and I also, by the way, when Williams and Bancaro are out there together, I, I don't know what, I don't know if Joey Hauser can play. Like, I don't know if he can play in this game. I, I am scared to think of what Paolo Bancaro would do to Joey Hauser uh, defensively because well, it, he's just that good. So I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a tough matchup, man. Yeah. You know, okay. So long story short, I think there's some really good news here. So hang with me. Long story short. Duke is too good for this bullshit, is what we're saying. Okay, like <laughs> yeah, basically, tr- truly, they are. They're too talented. And at the beginning of the year, uh, they were beating Kentucky. They beat Gonzaga. Um, they they were beating very talented teams. And then, like you know, walked through the ACC, handled it, handled it all. And I'll tell you, man, things change when. You know, you know it's Coach K's final season, and you can handle it and handle it and handle it until you can't. When it becomes even bigger, which it did, and become oh, the final North Carolina game. When it became the final thing that mattered, they collapsed. And then it became the final ACC tournament, which, by the way, they won the Syracuse game um, barely. They were losing all game. Syracuse just stinks. So yeah. that's why they won that game. And then they barely won the Miami, Florida game. And Miami, Florida is, is um, okay. They're like mid plus, but they were just struggling. No reason Duke should be struggling with them. And then you so blown out by Virginia tech in a very big moment. So I think you were saying this team is so talented that in a, if this was not coach K's last year, I would be really hard pressed to think that MSU would have a chance. Because it's Coach K's last year, I think there's an element that cannot be measured that will be added to this game for them. You know, it becomes very real. And um, you have the tickets for this game are going to be the most expensive round of 32 game in the country, period. It's not even going to be close. 
And so, I mean, all eyes, right? And it'll be the final game probably of Sunday or, near, you know, evening game. It'll be the marquee. There's a reason, by the way, this is the late one, you know, the, on Friday for both teams. It's so that everyone can watch K. So, <laughs> Just telling you, man, there's a lot no, it's, out of this game. I, I'm, you're 100% correct. I mean, this is one of those where, like, it, it, there is no pressure on MSU going into that one. And, and I, it is weird because, like, on paper, MSU's got no business being yes. in that game. Like, that, that, that's one of that, – that's a, there's a reason that they've been ranked where they're ranked the entire year they have this star-studded roster of players they had experience they got size they're a good shooting team like they have it all but that is an element you just simply cannot account for like there is an element of the bullseye is so far on your back and also like and this is so cliche i almost hate saying it but like what when do tom Izzo teams perform better than when nobody takes them seriously Truly. And do you think that they could like, <laughs> can you think of better motivation than being the one to end coach K's career? For, like, Tom, for your, your coach, Tom, who you right. know matters to not just like, oh, yeah. coach K. Like, oh, I think that's a player thing too, though. Like, cause you I, know, and these guys all hate Duke. I mean, these guys literally have all, I think even Tyson Walker played against Duke when he was at school in I, Northeastern. Did he? But okay. uh, Maybe it's North Carolina. I think it's actually North Carolina. But either way, these guys, like, they're the big dog. They're the one you compare yourself to. Like, to to me, it's like there is only pressure on Duke in that game. And that's why, uh, you know, I'm not saying I would pick Michigan State to win that game. I wouldn't. But, man, if you come out and you kick them in the mouth, and to be honest with you, like, I'm not going to put this on the record that I'm picking. I'm going to be a coward again. If if I'm the 15 seed that gets to play Duke, mm-hmm. like if I'm Cal State Fullerton, the amount of motivation that I have going into this game is like unlike anything I've ever played with before. Like if I could be the 15 seed, if I could send Coach K out losing to another 15 seed, and that's <laughs> how people remember the end of his career. Like if oh. I may ask. Oh my God! Imagine coming out and kicking them in the teeth early on in that game. Like, they, uh, do they, they fold? They won't. I'm telling you. Oh, but I'm just saying, like, just yeah. go there with me. Imagine how <laughs> remarkable that would be. I do need to mo- note one player on Cal State Fullerton's name is Tori San Antonio, and I just oh think my. that's incredible. San that's Antonio. Worth, that's worth mentioning. So um, thank you. Yeah, of course. I'm here to help. Here's two little more fun notes for the group. Uh, Duke will not turn you over, much like Davidson. They have no interest. This is not the Duke team that you may have recall in the past where they overplay, you know, uh, 40 feet from the basket and really get in your shorts. They can't play defense. Um, so they, they, or excuse me, they, they don't try and turn you over. Like they, they try and stay in front. They don't overextend and give up dumb stuff. So, but they, you know, they're 42nd in the nation in defense. That's not great. You know, that's not something they should be calling home about. And I just want to note that I think that it's 
incredible that Michigan State's biggest Achilles heel turnovers all season, where I mentioned they had 19 straight games of double-digit turnovers. Well, they played two Q1A opponents and had under 10 for the first time all season in back-to-back big games. So apparently the turnover problem, you know, is tempering or it looks good. And then you're, you got to draw two teams who aren't even going to try and turn you over. Like that is a really lucky thing, in my opinion. I don't know. I, it doesn't mean MSU won't turn it over, but like, it's just great luck. If there was any form of luck of that sense. I think it's just so funny that this first weekend can end. (laughs) The amount of outcomes is like unlike any first weekend I can remember. It's literally you could either be the team to literally end the best coach of all time in college basketball's career, or you could lose to Foster Lawyer. Like those are (laughs) the two extremes of this weekend. It's just and there's no one like there's no in between. No. you could lose to Duke, and that would be – I guess that's the in-between. The The other thing, though, I, I want to make you just consider this. Duke has played two Q1 games since February 1st. MSU wow. played two last week against Purdue and Wisconsin in back-to-back days. So they haven't played a team that mattered. They played two. And it's like they they lost. So, like, I'm just saying. I like where your head's at. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying. Yeah, like, why not? Why not us, you know? Well, it's just like, it's not. The roster says it's over before you play. But I think there's a lot more going on in this one. You know it's I mean? March. Hey, listen, before, I think we should dive into some other games here, but. Before we do, let's all just take a second as we go into this commercial break and be thankful that we're not playing in the play-in game again. Let's just remember. Hey, time out. This is technically a step forward. I want to clear something up. It's not the play-in game. It's called the first. No, you're right. The first four. Very good point. We were in the turn. Okay. You want to take another commercial? Yeah, let's do it. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Then we are back, and it's time to talk about some teams that are not Michigan State. How about that? Sound fun? Sure. Let's do it. Um, if you're still with us, uh, we wanted to do a thing called Dude Watch, uh, guys that we would not hate to see um, the Pistons, um, or you might see play against the Pistons in the near future, or not, or your favorite NBA team. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but for this, that was uh, Pistons for Austin, and thank you to uh, – Arjan, who, who wrote in to suggesting this segment. Yes, thank you very much. Um, so we tried to pick one player per uh, region. Um, some, all probably names you've heard, but these are like top of the draft-ish guys. Uh, so in the West, we've got Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga. Um, Michigan State fans probably intimately uh, aware of Chet Holmgren because at one point in time, he was squaring off against Michigan State commit Imani Bates in high school and kind of took it to him. And yeah. after everything that's transpired, not necessarily a shocking outcome. Um, but Holmgren is, uh, yeah, you know, the term 
unicorn gets tossed around a lot and I'll probably toss around again in this exact segment, but um, he is truly unlike anything I really have ever seen in college basketball. He's Jaron, but with more handle. Like he is Jaron Jackson with a better ball handling skills. He is. I don't even know. Like he is such a dominant defensive player. It kind of blows my mind. And I think the exciting part about this tournament is that we get to see him play more, more big boys because it's not like they didn't play. Like they played plenty of good teams early on in the year and he showed out in a lot of those games, but he is, uh, he is going to get picked in the top, call it three uh, of the draft this year. And I think the scary part really about Gonzaga more than anything else is that he didn't even lead them in scoring. That was Drew Timmy that did that, but he averaged 14 a game, almost, almost 10 rebounds, blocked 3.6 shots a game and shot 41% from three. Yeah. He's, he's a more dynamic version of Jaron. That's actually a comparison that I'm going to use for the next guy to talk about too. But, uh, Holmgren is, is very much in play for the number one pick. Um, and, looks ridiculous while he's playing all the time, which I think might be my favorite part about him. He is all arms and legs. And I said, the only thing that would scare me is that he is never going to be able to gain weight because he is the skinniest human of all time. Yeah, no, but it may not matter. He's like Kevin Durant. It might not. We know you don't have, you know, you can, that's fine. Jaron, you know, got bigger, but not like wider. So. No, it's kind of scary to think of what he could actually become as he becomes more like basketball mature, because he's one of those examples of like young dudes that are so skilled and so and naturally gifted that are so young now that are going into the NBA, like ready to contribute right away. I think it's kind of crazy to think about what he could become. Um Next guy, actually, this is it's funny that you, you use the Jaron comp because my Jaron comp has been this guy the entire year, and that is uh, Jabari Smith of Auburn. Um, his game reminds me spot on uh, of Jaron's game when he was at Michigan State, except he's kind of to use that same analogy. He's used just more dynamic, and if, if nothing else, his three-point shot is a lot, maybe not more effective necessarily, even though I think it is, uh, but it's so pretty. Like this dude was made for uh, today's NBA. He's every bit of, I don't know, six, seven feet tall or six, six or seven feet tall, uh, six, 11, seven feet tall. Uh, and has been kind of the cog for Auburn all year. Like a, a team that scores a lot, a team that's a great defensive team. He led him in scoring, shot 43% from three, a block and a steal a game. So not nearly as imposing a defensive presence. However, it should be noted he played alongside Walker Kessler, the North Carolina transfer, who averaged four and a half blocks a game. So he didn't really need to do a lot of that because uh, the other guy who I think led the nation in that category was was taking care of those things. But we talk about either a well, – the beautiful thing about Jabari Smith is he could either be a rim-running five in the NBA or he could be the perfect, uh, you know, stretch four, stretch five type of guy. So uh, – I think he could play in just about any type of lineup because he has a little bit of a handle too. It's another thing where you're like, oh man, what if, you know, what does he become when he gets some more time under his belt? So um, I think if I'm, you know, let me say as a Piston fan, he is the one that I think I would probably be the most excited about seeing them select because he is thinking about him playing with Cade Cunningham is, uh, is pretty exciting. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. Um, 
And then I'm going to go to Kentucky. There are a couple guys here. I know uh, you had uh, Ty Ty Washington, um, but you talk about him and then I'll take my, my guy next. Yeah. Ty Ty is kind of the engine that makes the whole thing go. Uh, I think what I love about him is he, it's, he doesn't really do anything the best on their team. Doesn't lead him in scoring. Doesn't lead him in assists. Uh, not the best three-point shooter, not even the best free throw percentage or field goal percentage, excuse me, but he's just there for them in big moments all the time. Uh, and he also has an incredible name in general in Ty Ty Washington. Oh. Um, but he he is awesome, and he's surrounded by some really good players, Tishwebe in the middle. I don't know who you were going to say is your favorite player on this team, oh. but uh, Ty Ty is pretty sweet. Yeah, Oscar was mine, Tishwebe. He is an absolute just monster who plays so much bigger than six nine uh in the paint he uh leads he led i think the nation in rebounding i'd have to double check like just a monster on the boards and um i think 15 a game yeah just stupid it's just like an stupid amount of rebounds a game i don't even know how that's possible and like average 17 points a game like he's just a monster and I don't I mean he's just a he's just a problem. And um man, Kentucky's scary, dude. They're scary. Yeah. I I think Kentucky's got a very real chance of doing the whole thing. So Shrebe, oh. not a not a small part of the reason why. I mean he is the Kenneth Walker of yeah. basketball transfer portal. Yeah. I mean, this guy played at West Virginia, was good at West Virginia, but nothing like seventeen and fifteen. Um good. So yeah, I think Kentucky's, uh, I mean, familiar face alert, Keon Brooks uh, plays quite a bit for them as well. Got some good guards in Kellen Grady and Severe Wheeler. But, um, yeah, it's it's weird because you don't look at them and see, like, a bunch of huge recruits. It's not like this star-studded team, but they are really, really quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, that takes us throughout East. Um, you wanted to talk about the Arizona freshman. Yes, that would be Benedict Mathurin. I might be saying his name wrong, but um, uh, listen, as a longtime Arizona stand, I personally love seeing them getting in and getting in number one pick. I'm a huge fan of it. So they're also loaded with guys with just the coolest name. Like, talk about an all-name team. You've got Benedict Mathurin, Azulos Tubelas, Christian Coloco, Kerr Creesa, Umar Balo, Pierre or Pele Larson. Like just an awesome Awesome name, but uh, Mathurin is a favorite of mine. I don't know that he's like necessarily the same high ceiling as guys like Ben Caro and, um, yeah, oh my gosh, and Jabari Smith and and some some of these other guys we've been talking about. But I still think you're talking about a top 10 pick and maybe even a guy that can contribute faster than some of the other dudes. He's just got a very mature game. Pistons fans are not going to be happy with this comparison, but I I saw a comparison uh, to uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope, and I actually thought that that was a very mm. spot on comparison. Just like super mature game, good shooter, decent handles. Um, if you remember, KCP was pretty damn good coming out of Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, RIP Tom Crean, by the way, he's not dead. He just got fired. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I like Mathurin. Um, Creesa is really the one that makes that whole thing go, though. I know he got hurt, uh, so I'm a little nervous for their long-term uh, outlook in the tournament. But it's 
Mathurin is 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 a really good versatile player. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him him handle the ball quite a bit. Yeah, and if you're wondering for context, you're not an NBA fan, and you're like, okay, well, what does this look like compared to like Big Ten guys? Well, you should note that Jaden Ivey, Johnny Davis, and Keegan Murray will all probably go top ten. So yeah, not top three. Not well, Ivey, I don't know, but probably not. But like they're right there. They're probably a tier below what we've been talking about. Um, yeah, Keegan Keegan Murray might be the only one that I I think his ceiling's as high as just about it. I think he's getting slept on a little bit. Yeah, to might. be honest with you, the other guy, Ivy, makes me a little nervous only because I I just don't know how his jumper translates, and he plays like super aggressive downhill. So like, uh, I get a I'm a little nervous about him. I don't know just in terms of translation and like he really uses his physicality and. He's big. I just you can't do that as much in the NBA. So you're gonna need to refine some skills. But um I like Keegan Murray, man. I like him a lot. And I know yeah. he comes from from Iowa, which is super free flow offense, but like that's that's a very uh NBA style of offense, quite honestly. And I think he could end up being a, a really nice pro. And if you're picking, you know, somewhere five to eight, like you can do a lot worse than Keegan Murray. Yeah. Yeah, and Johnny Davis is a lot more limited, I think. But God, yeah. But um, Davis is just athletically a little bit like he's explosive, but he doesn't other than have like you talk about Chet Holmgren and these other guys and you talk about the length and just the God given ability. Like you said, he just doesn't have that. But I think you're talking about like a 10 year pro. I don't know how many of those years he starts, but I think you're talking about a guy who's going to come in and get buckets pretty quickly. Yeah. So just kind of give a context for the group. So um, do you want to jump into the. Uh, any other folks you want to take in on any bonus items? Any yeah, players? I mean, there's there's just just for our friends, um, there's one guy, and his name is David Roddy. And I'm bringing it up because he plays for Colorado State, uh, who is taking on Michigan. People probably seeing that and thinking, well, that sucks. Michigan got a great draw. Um, think about the fact that Colorado, they did, but Colorado State went 25-5 and five this year. They finished in the top 25. They won their conference. They got a six seed from the Mountain West. That's nothing to scoff. That means they're pretty damn good. And Roddy was their best player. I believe he was Mountain West player of the year. Average 19 and a half points a game, 7.6 rebounds, shot 45% from three. He is far and away their highest used player, but he is the type of guy that can win you games by himself in March. Um, and he is going to be an absolute handful for whoever tries to check him. I think the problem for Michigan with him is that at six five, I don't really know who you put on him necessarily. Like, is if, if it's Eli Brooks, that's a that's a that's nope. a big boy for Eli Brooks to handle at six five two fifty two. By the way, a freaking tank. He's thick, and so you know, not quite sure what they'll do with that either. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm just not sure what uh, what body you put on him. So I mean, it might be one where you just throw Diabate on him and see what happens, but. Uh-huh. Or that you're going to see him to experiment with the Brandon Johns experiment because uh, uh, that uh, I wouldn't suggest it. That's well, Caleb Houston's probably going to get some some solid amount of time on him, so it'll be interesting. I mean, that's that'll be a fun matchup. But David Roddy is, like I said, he's he's the type of guy that can win uh, a couple games on his own. So while while they did get a great draw, they they are going up against a pretty darn good player. Yeah, and I think that that'll transition us nicely to we talk about Big Ten matchups here. And I think one of the things you mentioned, David Roddy's a bad matchup for Michigan. On the flip side, as we just keep talking about that game, 
Uh, Michigan, a two and a half point favorite playing the first game on Thursday. Uh, I think you're going to see a theme as we talk about the Big Ten games. If you don't have a big, like I have a really hard time, like a, I mean a body, to go up against the Big Ten's bigs. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have a hard time seeing you beating them. Like I don't, like I don't see anyone in Colorado State as an answer for Hunter Dickinson. And, and you're going to you're going to hear me say that for a lot of teams as we, in the in the first round anyway. So um, just, yeah, I think I think that it's the Jimmys and Joes, right? Like yep. if you don't have like a, a a capable Big Ten level defensive player to guard them. Like it could be a long night. So, um, cause they're like, they're going to get these guys got theirs all conference season, you know, against each other. So I'm just saying, I, I think it's an interesting point because while the top of the Big Ten, the Big Ten doesn't have any top two seeds. There's no one in the top eight from the Big Ten in this year's tournament. But I have a hard time thinking there's a deeper conference than yeah. the yeah, Big Ten. I, the I mean, they got nine teams in. Yeah. Uh, and quite honestly, like, ACC was not all that good. Pac-12 yeah. was was okay. Uh, Big 12 didn't do anything for me in particular. A couple good teams at the top. But that's about it. I mean, I it's it might be one of those weird years where you end up looking and seeing, oh, whoa, five Big Ten teams made the Sweet 16 or something stupid like that. Like, maybe that's overstating it. But – yeah, you know, I, it the depth could show. Yeah, I think it, it's interesting. We'll go through each of these, and I'll ask you how many Sweet Sixteen teams are, are possible. But you know, for me, the the Big Twelve was was pretty strong. Uh, Kansas, yeah, true. You're Kansas, right. Baylor, Texas Tech are all really tough. And yeah. uh, no, that's fair. Some other t- good good teams in there too. And the SEC has gotten better. I think I don't think they're on Big Ten's level, but I think they've gotten better as a conference. But for me, the big 12 is just tough. But yeah, you're right. You're right. But, but let's, let's quickly walk through each of these games. Um, we talked about Michigan um, versus Colorado state. Like I said, I don't think Colorado state has an answer for, for the size and, and Diabate's athleticism. And so I would probably take Michigan in that one. And then um, let's, let's back up to Tuesday and the play in games, two big 10 teams got playing games. Um, Indiana opens against Wyoming. Um, if they, they're a four-point favorite, both 12 seeds. If they win, they would play St. Mary's. Anything jump out to you about Indiana in this matchup? Uh, I think you you hit the nail on the head with the Jimmys and Joes in this one. Uh, the way Trey Jackson Davis uh, Jackson Davis is playing, um, it's just going to be tough for anybody else uh, to, to check him. So I, I'm just not sure what, how this may shock you. I didn't watch, uh, Wyoming this year, but I have a hard time expect thinking they're going to be checking Trace Jackson Davis all that effectively. It was not his fault. They lost those. They lost that last game, man. He's been, he's been balling of late. Yeah. I, I wonder if Trace is playing himself into the NBA draft. I don't think he's there right now. I think he thought he would be last year at this mm-hmm. time. I don't think he is, but he's had such a strong big 10 tournament, you know, and if he say he strings together a couple more, cause they'll have an opportunity to win, you know, a game against Wyoming, who knows if they, if they could beat St. Mary's, you know, you get two more good performances and then in the loss in your next game, you play well there. 
well, that matters, you know. So Yeah, I mean, I think he'd get drafted. I just don't think he's getting drafted where he thought when he went to college at Indiana he was yep. going to get drafted. But, you know, yeah. that's that's not to say he's not a super talented guy. I mean, he – yeah, I, I think those are really good matchups for Indiana. Now, whether the rest of the team can follow through on it or not, no idea. But uh, yep. I, I think he's good enough to win them at least that first game. Yeah, same. So um, – Next game uh, on Wednesday, Rutgers uh, versus Notre Dame. Um, Notre Dame kind of a surprise team to make the tournament. Rutgers was too, actually. You know, both very, very much on the bubble. Um, winnable game for Rutgers. And, and you know, they won a tournament game last year, um, if you recall. So got guys back that have done it before. Um, that's rarely do you say that Rutgers is the more experienced NCAA tournament team, but they are. They are back to back to back tournaments for Rutgers. Like let's let's give Steve Pickiel some freaking yeah. credit here, man. What like wow, what a job. Yeah, man. Uh, they win. They play a very Jekyll and Hyde Alabama team. You know, I'm not writing them right in. You know, I, I think I would take. I'm going to run with Alabama, but like it's not a it's not a given. Can you can you bring yourself in any sport no. to bet on Rutgers over Alabama? No. no. <laughs> Actually, I might do it just say, to say I did it. And yeah. people, you know, um, I don't know. It, I just want to see the Rutgers fans with the We Want Bama signs. They, they got <laughs> to lean into it. That would be so I cool. think you absolutely have to. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I, think, I think they could do it. I think they could, they could win, at least win, like I said, one. I think they – it's going to be interesting because, like, these are talented teams that played tough schedules that are playing those early games, you know, if they – they win we've seen it many times where the the playing not the playing the first four team uh you know ends up playing at least their next game really tough if not winning so i don't think it's outrageous ucla ucla last year yeah okay so of four teams because vcu went to the final four um it's happened twice of these four teams who do you think would is capable of making the deepest run indiana versus wyoming who would then take on St. Mary's um, or Rutgers and Notre Dame, who would then take on Alabama. Man. uh, Against my better judgment, I'm actually going to say Indiana because I just, I know he can't really shoot, but TJD can get you buckets. You throw the ball down to him. No one can stop him. Uh, So I think that he is high end enough as a player so he's going to be the most talented guy on the floor just about every game that they play for the beginning of the tournament. So um, I'll go with Indiana. I have to say about Rutgers, though, man, like they beat some really good teams, like four or five different really good teams this year. So the, the better teams than they're going to play in these first couple of rounds, certainly better than Notre Dame. Uh, and I know better than the next team as well. So, you know, Alabama being the next one. I I, neither would shock me. I would personally, for the enjoyment factor, much, much, much prefer Rutgers to make the run because Rutgers is like a team I'll never like. I don't, I don't feel bad rooting for them in any sport ever. So whereas Indiana, I don't think I could deal with the 12 seed Indiana Final Four run and never feel decent about it. <laughs> I don't think there's any way any of these four teams make the Final Four. No, but I'm just saying, if I have to pick one, I'm, I'm going with Rutgers all the way. All right. I like it. All right. Let's jump forward to Thursday. Um, 
early afternoon games, second session or yeah, second session. Iowa, uh, ten and a half point favorite over twelve seed Richmond. That usually you don't see a spread that big in a five twelve game. Um, you do here, and I have a hard time thinking Richmond can keep up. Um, Richmond, the team that took down Davidson in the eight ten championship to earn their bid. Um, what are your thoughts? Okay, I'm I'm gonna go in with Iowa. Um, I think they're drastic, not drastically, but definitely underseeded as a five seed. I think they got screwed here. But I look at their draw, and I I'm saying this about Iowa, which I know I'll regret, but like I like their draw a lot <laughs> because they will score, they will score, they will score, and you have to have another team that can keep up with them. And I look at their first weekend, like Richmond, I just don't buy it. Uh, Providence was a very lucky team this year. To be honest, I think you should have flipped those two seeds. South Dakota State, if they win, like who knows? After that, it's you go up against Kansas in the Sweet 16, and that would at least I think be a really really fun game to watch. Kansas is definitely the better team. No, no, make no mistake about it. But and they could keep up scoring wise. But I don't see any reason aside from the fact that it's Fran McCaffrey and Iowa that they should not make the Sweet 16. Yeah, that's the reason. It's yeah. because of who they are. It's the pedigree, which is why I don't trust them. I know. If you took away the jerseys, this would feel like a no-brainer. You know? Yeah, like the blind resume would uh-huh. be 100%. I would pick them makes a Sweet 16 in a heartbeat. But yeah, and honestly, I don't. Yeah, I think they're going to be in just about any game because they're going to score. Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah, until they run into a good, they they just. Yeah, I don't know. They're one of the hottest teams in the country right now. So no, I don't know why it would stop. Ohio State, Friday morning against Loyola, Chicago. Uh, the Rambler is a one-point favorite over Ohio State. Um, what do you think here? This one, my, my only concern is that this one, from an upset perspective, feels too easy. Like this feels like too – it feels too easy to pick Loyola. I've seen Ohio State's ultimate chaos team in the Big Ten this year. You've seen them be incredible and awful in the same in back-to-back games, even within the same game. Like, you, I, there's no reason for me to trust Ohio State at all. And on the other hand, Loyola is filled with a bunch of guys that have all been there, done that. Like, they, they've all done this before. Um, got a great young head coach in Drew Valentine, uh, and yeah, it's just a more battle-tested team. But I think you kind of run into the same thing you always run into with Loyola, which is where they're probably not as talented as their opponent. Uh, and ultimately that'll probably come back to, to hurt them at some point during this tournament. But uh, I can't believe they're favored. Like, I don't know that I would bet them minus points, but I could 100% see them winning this well, game. Yeah. Much like MSU got uh, the luck of the draw and that they're not facing opponents that are going to try and turn them over on defense. Loyola got lucky and they're facing an opponent um, who doesn't have a true big. And Loyola yeah. is small ball. They don't have a real true center um, that, that can play consistent minutes. Well, Ohio State, as we know, kind of is the same thing, right? Like EJ Liddell plays big, um, you know, and, and Kyle Young, if he's back, plays big. But they're not like the true centers like we were talking about with some of the other Big Ten teams. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're going like, you know, Jimmy's and Joe's, it's Ohio State. But um, I think hopefully we've all learned our lesson with betting against 
or writing off, I should say, uh, Loyola. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll see. I'll be interested to see how Malachi Branham does against Lucas Williamson. Lucas Williamson. Yeah, that's tough. That's a tough, that's a tough matchup for for Branham. Exactly. That's why that's why I kind of like Loyola here is because because of, of that. Definitely um, rooting for Loyola. Oh yeah. Go Blurs. Uh, Go Blurs. Keep it going. Purdue uh, Friday at one o'clock Central. Sixteen point favorite against the Ivy League champion Yale Bulldogs. Jimmy's and Joe's. There's it, and for and it's only one Jimmy or Joe that we're focusing on. If you don't have anyone that can even remotely defend Zach Eady, much less yeah. Trevion Williams, it's over before it starts. So that's my. Then opinion. again, John. Then again, it is Purdue. It is. Let us not forget. It is Purdue. I know, but like, no. I, let's say this: if they lose, and if they were to lose to Yale with Zach Eady and Jaden Ivy, a top yeah. ten pick, like, I, I don't know. I already don't Scrap take it seriously, but like, oh my god. And a senior, Trevion Williams. Yeah, I mean, this is. I don't want to say this is as good of a Purdue team as I've ever seen because it's not. It's not. Those Robbie Hummel teams were good. unbelievable. No, they were unreal, man. Him and three Twan Moore and, and Juwan Johnson, like that was that was as good a team as any Big Ten teams that I've seen in my lifetime, to be quite honest with you. But this is not that, but it's it's a really good team with a lot of weapons. And there's yeah, they lose any time before uh, yeah, honestly, until they potentially match up with Kentucky, uh, you're going to have some very unhappy people in the middle of Indiana. You should be. They um, should be. Yeah, deservedly. Yeah, because I think, you know, if they, as they should win this game, they would move on to play probably the Texas or Virginia, yeah, Virginia Tech or Texas. And Texas has some guys, but not. Game they, you should win. Yeah. All right. Let's keep moving. Uh, Friday. Uh, Evening, Illinois, uh, taking on number 13, Chattanooga. Back to, again, going to say it again, no one for Kofi Coburn on the, on the mox. So, mm-hmm. and that's kind of it for me, you know? He's just a monster. Like, he's going to get, he's going to dominate. And I don't care what else Chattanooga does. Like, you can't simulate seven foot, 260 pounds of pure muscle. No, because it doesn't exist anywhere else in the world except for Illinois' basketball team. Yeah, so it's hard for me to, like, even consider Chattanooga. Again, anything can happen, but... Foul trouble. Foul trouble, the biggest thing. Yeah, I think the thing is, is, like, if if Illinois were to lose this game, uh, this would be, for me, like, an indictment on them as chokers. Absolutely. Like, you can't. You're too good, you know? So... I don't know. Uh, you know, bonus. You know who plays for Chattanooga? Silvio De Sosa. Ah, oh, yes. The uh, one of the better internet pictures you'll ever see. Kansas. Him. Yeah, Kansas transfer. Five star. Yeah. Him standing, holding a chair, ready to just smoke oh. the back of someone's head. I forgot that was him. Oh my God! Yeah, just yeah, all-time brawl picture, all-time brawl participant, Silvio De Sosa. So much so that he like literally never played for Kansas ever again, or something. He, he like had to leave. That was not cool, man. Yeah, like they're like, whoa, dude, that you look, you were enjoying that a lot. 
<laughs> and then finally we round out Friday evening playing uh, near the same time as uh, MSU. Wisconsin, uh, seven and a half point favor over 14, the Colgate toothbrushes, toothpaste. Uh, <laughs> any thoughts on this one? Colgate can shoot the lights out, but I'm feeling pretty If you're an NBA fan, this one's not for you. Johnny it's Davis will not. be there. Johnny Davis will be there. That's cool. Uh, that's fun for him. I'm happy for Johnny Davis, but no, this is this is not gonna be. You, this is a uh, a basketball purist type of game. That, now that means it could come down to the very end and be like super exciting because it's down to the last possession, super nip and tuck. But like, this is not gonna be an enjoyable game to watch. IMO. No, I mean for context, Colgate lost by ten to Vermont, who is a tournament team. And then lost by 18 to St. John's. St. John's is terrible. So, yeah, I don't. How dare you slander your boy Marvin Clark like that? Well, it's because he's not there anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, The the other thing is this game's in Milwaukee. So. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's a home game. Yeah, it's gonna get dicey for me. So with that, we went through. Didn't necessarily. So wait quickly. Wisconsin, if they you know should win, they'll likely play. LSU or Iowa State, which is my bonus game to talk about because I want to give you two stats. It's going to be so much chaos. Tune in to that game because it'll be right before Michigan State game. Iowa State is 299th in committing turnovers in the nation. And LSU is second in forcing them. Oh, my God. and, And LSU is 303rd in the nation in turnovers per game. and Iowa State is sixth in forcing them. So wow. it's going to be just a disaster zone. Just pick sixes left and oh, right. Yeah. Also, uh, LSU now playing three years later with the now dismissed uh, Will Wade, by the way, their head coach gone. They were trying to figure out. They're still reading the paperwork. Yeah, um, no, I appreciate I appreciate that. That's, that's a lot. Um, it. I think that's awesome, by the way. Just good for him. Just cheap. Like, who knows what's going to happen from here? I hope there was nothing super problematic in there because then I'll sound like an asshole. But uh, I think the moral is if the, if, if the worst thing that can happen is you get fired three years later. <laughs> I don't know. Those banners, banners, had he won banners, that banner would be flying forever. <laughs> well, those, those dollar bills, those checks still cash. So Yeah, you, you, you ask uh, Louisville fans how many national championships they have in the last yeah. 15 years. <laughs> exactly so uh with that wisconsin would likely play the winner of that so um it brings us to our next question near last is how many big 10 sweet 16 teams do you think are reasonable over two and a half i don't think it's outrageous to say of nine because by the way what of of nine teams by the way it's a lot of teams that could make yeah i'm gonna say yes I, i think they'll get over Two and a half. Um, I, I think your point about just the Jimmys and Joes, especially as it pertains to the center position, like the best centers in the country play in the Big Ten for the most part. There's obviously several others that are very good to play elsewhere, but like, you know, the advantage of being kind of like the three through eight seeds, which a lot of the Big Ten are, is you don't have to play those ones and those twos very much early on. Um, so, like, I think they can get through just based on talent, most of them. I think at least three of them can get through to the Sweet 16. That being said, 
that's putting a lot of faith in the Illinois and the Iowas and the Purdue's of the world uh, to not choke on applesauce, which they tend to do. So I'll say over uh, in the hopes that, you know, they're able to pull it out. But I will also say I'm not a conference guy, so I would be happy if we went over or, or just one for with Michigan State. Yeah, it's tough. It seems so easy to say over. But I think for me, the only ones I feel comfortable with are Iowa and Purdue. And, uh, Purdue. Because Illinois yeah. moves on to playing um, probably Houston. And Houston plays in such a physical style that it changes the way referees have to call the game. And we all know when Illinois gets, you know, they get hit, they cry. Like they don't mm-hmm. handle it well. They don't like sure. it when things get, you know, busy in the paint. They are for all intents and purposes, kind of soft. So, you know, I just wonder how they handle that for the entire game. And um, the other piece is like Wisconsin. I think if the home game in Milwaukee helps when you play the winner of LSU or um, Iowa State. But if it's LSU, I start to question how well they handle the athleticism because you saw Wisconsin mm-hmm. really struggle with with that. And then the other piece is – LSU has um, a potential top 10 pick in Tari Eason, um, mm-hmm. 6'8 kid, t- averages 25 points a game. Like, I, I don't know athletically where Wisconsin's going to go to defend that, you know? Um, yeah. So for me, I have question marks about the ease of their pass. Um, so, yeah, it's hard for me. And then Michigan State, obviously, I think oddly has, has maybe the near best shot outside of you know Illinois and Wisconsin because of all despite being on paper um a really tough matchup to Duke all that pressure we talked about because I look around yeah. and, oh man like I know Tennessee is Rick Barnes and he's the worst tournament coach and that's not an exaggeration like he is statistically I don't know like I don't know I just saw Fran McCaffrey win the Big Ten tournament championship like apparently the end of days are near because yeah, that's like, the sign we needed. Yeah. Bad coaches can win apparently. And so, and I don't know, Tennessee just, they just won the sec championship. Like now that's the real end time sign right there. That's what I mean. It's like, okay, so maybe they figured it out or they had, maybe they didn't figure it out. They just have the right guys who can don't need a ton of coaching. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Cause Ohio state, I don't know. Like even if they get by, Loyola, like how confident are you in um, them? I'm not. Villanova. I'm not at all. No, right. I mean, you, you, you raised some good points. I hope Michigan State can prove you right. Yeah, I think over, I, would, I would probably bet three because I think one of, you know, Illinois, Wisconsin, MSU, Michigan, Ohio State can, could pull it off, but – and who knows? In, like you said, Indiana or Rutgers, they have to win one more game, but it's possible. So, all right. Um, anything else? I mean, we could do, we could give any t- favorites if you've filled out a bracket. Yeah, I mean, I I think this year, I don't know. I kind of yeah. I, I I'm my last little thing as we wrap up here is I think we're all overthinking it. There's a lot of parity. There's a lot of you know, people saying, well, there's no great teams this year. 15 different teams could win it. I think we're all overthinking it. I think, it, I think Gonzaga is the best team by a decent amount. Uh, 
I think they have been all year. Um, nobody has Chet Holmgren. No one can block that. No, or not block that. No one can guard that. Drew Timmy is still great, especially now that he has an incredible shot blocker next to him. Nemhard is incredible. Like this is an extremely good team, and I I don't know that they're going to kill everybody, and I they could definitely lose too, but. Uh, I, I'm I'm rolling with the Zags, which I know is chalk and not fun, but I'm I'm rolling with Gonzaga. My other team would probably be Kansas. Um, like you said, come from a great conference. Obashi is a star and can win you games on his own. Um, and yeah, so th- those are kind of my two my two picks. Okay, I think um, out then I will give some my surprises then as far as uh, final four teams. Um, I haven't filled out my bracket yet, but I think Texas Tech can beat Gonzaga. I think they've played more athletic t- teams than them, Kansas and, and Baylor. They know how to handle it, and they've been there before, so I, I like them. And to, to be able to hang around. And then um, the other maybe surprise is, is um, I, think, uh, I think Auburn can hang with, with Kansas. Um, if if there was a final four on the line, I like Auburn as well. That's a good pick. So you know, not necessarily national champions. I'm cheating because I haven't done a bracket yet. But um, I don't know, something to think about. When in doubt, Austin, pick a dog, the dog mascot. Yeah, I think that's a good that's that's good logic and makes me feel even better about Gonzaga. TBH. All right, man. Well, um, that's <sighs> it's here, John. I am off to get my vasectomy. Uh, joking. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> all right, guys. That's not true. I'm sorry. It was a joke. All right. Uh, for John, this has been Austin. We hope you guys enjoy your March. Go green. Let's get a dub and move on. Hopefully, we're 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 talking next week with in great moods. But uh, for John, this has been Austin. We'll catch you guys later. See. Yeah.